Well, just before we get into today's podcast, I wanted to, to tell you that we are proud to announce that we have a sponsor for the podcast, uh, Old Smokes Coffee. And uh, Old Smokes Coffee is known for a couple of really cool things. One, they do regular beans, which means that you can have them air roasted to whatever darkness you like, anywhere from a light roast to a very, very dark roast. This maple stout's my favorite. Uh, they also do it not only with traditional hot air, but they also do it smoked. They do it over a fire. So in the case of this maple stout, it's got a maple flavor to it. Uh, we've got some blazing apple done with apple wood, um, blazing cherry that's done with cherry wood. They have everything from light to medium to medium light to dark to extra dark and uh, smoked and non-smoked. How they're sponsoring us is through a promo code. So you go to oldsmokes.com, so that's O-L-E, smokescoffee.com. That's www.olesmokescoffee.com. And you enter the promo, promo code Trapping Inc. That should be pretty easy. All one word, Trapping Inc. Promo code will get you 10% off at their online store. Now let's get on over to the podcast and get some laughs in. Alrighty. Well, cold night. We've got hot coffee. And we're, I've we're got here hot to, chocolate. We're, <laughs> we're here, here in the coffee house. <laughs> Welcome to Scuttlebutt uh, Podcast. I'm Rich Mellon. And I'm Sandy. And uh, this is a really frigid, frigid Saturday evening in uh, Grand Prairie, Alberta. And we're lucky enough to be in the Old Smokes Coffee House um, with Tim and his dad, Jim. And so thank you for welcoming us. Thank you for the amaretto hot chocolate. Oh, you're welcome. I think I've found a new favorite. Awesome. This is like, what, day 97 of 40 Below? Something like that. Or maybe a week. Yeah. I'm not sure. <laughs> it just feels that long, doesn't it? <laughs> it always feels like it's longer. So first off, and we're, we're going to talk about coffee because I know so much about coffee. I drink so much coffee and I know nothing about coffee. And so I, I, I'm, I'm very interested in how that all got started. But I want to I know a little bit of background. So obviously, you're the more mature-looking one. You're the one that broke trail. You came up here first? Oh, I come up here first. <laughs> but it was, it was, it was while well, the roads were still gravel and mud, and we could get stuck in the middle of the highway. Yeah. When, when, did you, when did you come to Grand Prairie? Oh, Grand Prairie, I've only been here three years. But we went to Peace River originally in 1947. Ah, 1947. Okay. Oh, for our listeners, Peace River is about uh, three hours north of here. Something like that, yeah, two yeah, and a half, three yeah, hours. Yeah, three hours north. So in 47, yeah, she was, she was uh, tough man land then. Well, I was 10 years old, and, and I got my first moose when I was about 12. Yeah. <laughs> Feed the family <laughs> kind of stuff. Well, it, it's interesting because when I got my first moose, I, we went back to California in the winter. I went to high school. And they had never seen one. No kidding. Yeah, so not, I yeah, had a not good, too surprising. So they, the newspaper took pictures of the moose and everything. The so newspaper. Pardon? The newspaper. The newspaper. Oh, that is so cool. <laughs> that's so awesome. that's where you're from? California? Yes. How in God's green earth did you end up here from California? We came with a truck. They had wheels on. Yeah, they had wheels and everything back then. Man. No. <laughs> My family was beekeepers. Oh, oh how so interesting! We uh, we ran bees in Peace River from Valley View to Peace River. And of that course, is this is the center of of honey production in the world. Well, at that time, it was okay. 
at that time, this country had all clover because we rotated crops. Right. We didn't have all the fertilizers and all this other stuff. And the farms were small, so we had grow wheat, and then we had plant alfalfa. It would be the uh, nurse crop for alfalfa. Right. And so alfalfa and clover was the main crops. Right, right. And that was until the canola or rape came in, and at that time it uh, started changing very fast. I was amazed when I learned that uh, the reason why, like, little town of Flair has the big bee sculpture and all that, and, and it, they, they claim it to be the honey capital of the world, I think it is. Or, maybe or at least of Canada, maybe. Or maybe they're the biggest biggest bee statue in the world. I, don't, I forget what it is. But anyway, <laughs> when I get talking to people who do honey, the fact that bees only work during the daylight, and that is as far north as they have agricultural blooming crops, and we have the most daylight in the summertime, and those, so those bees work more hours. That's right. So, that sounds like uh, one of your work programs or something for one of your employees. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a shorter season, but with the sunshine, the hours, mm-hmm. and the temperatures and the moisture in the air, at that time we got huge crops. And Flair was basically right in the center of all of us. Yeah. 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 I found it fascinating. So what, w- were you beekeepers then in, in California as well? We were or? beekeepers in California. Okay. And uh, so when we were beekeepers in California, we sold package bees to the Canadians and people up here. Uh-huh. And a friend of ours, Raymond Woods from uh, Lakeview, Oregon, was in Peace River. And we hauled bees up to him in 47 and seen all the clover. And uh, when we saw that, my brother was a junior in high school. Right. And he stayed. And we started out with 150 hives and grew to 3,000. Wow. Holy. Yeah. So what is the production of of 3,000? Like just average. I mean, how many pounds of honey do you get off 3,000 hives? A lot. <laughs> <laughs> has it no, changed? It, so has technology changed now where you would get more or less I don't per know high? if technology's changed so much, but what it was at that time, because there was so much clover, mm-hmm. and it was a virgin area as far as clearing land and everything. Right. We, ha- we had years that we had 300 pounds per hive. Per hive? Per hive. Wow. That's incredible. And, uh, Tell, those weren't millennial bees. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but now, uh, now. <laughs> now I don't know. I don't have the slightest idea what what they would compare. But the honey now is basically rape mixed with clover and other things. So right, it's a different crop. Yeah. I wonder if it tastes better or worse. Now, different. yeah, it's worse. Yeah. Okay. I know you could run three thousand hives at that time. Yes. Because there was clover everywhere. So now when we're, we were talking clover. You're talking alsike. Uh, we're alsike, red clover, sweet clover even. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but <clears throat> because it was clover, everybody had clover. Right. And uh, it was plowed under, and then they fo- summer followed for the nitrogen and putting fertilizer back in the soil. Yeah. Right. And uh, the crops were just so much better, and soil has a lot to do with it. And I... This is my personal belief. I could be wrong. Uh, today, we're using fertilizers and everything in our soil. Then it was natural. There yeah. was still the minerals and everything in the soil, which is a lot depleted now because of constant crops. Right. So I think our honey is different. 
So, okay. Just because this is the way my mind works. <laughs> which is Be a careful scary, now. Which is a scary rabbit hole. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> that many pounds, 300 pounds of honey from a hive. How many pounds of beeswax? Pardon? How many pounds of beeswax would that amount to? Oh, heck, we didn't. You just threw it away, right? It had no, no value? No, no, we didn't throw it away. The cappings, we melted. But you don't melt the beeswax. You, we had extractors that were about 8 to 10 foot around. We put the whole supers in. And we had three of them in a row in our warehouse in Nampa, really. And uh, so wax, we probably sold a couple thousand pounds, two or 3,000 pounds a year. Wow. But that was all. I mean, very little because the cappings are, are, they're just slight amounts of cappings per right. Right, right. Uh, frame. Okay. So then, so you came up here and, and you were, you said 10, right? Yeah. When you first came up and then you would go back down to California. We wintered winter. in California and right. summered in Canada. Not a bad life. It was a good life. After, especially after you've been enduring this cold now, all these years later. I, didn't, I didn't know what this was like at that time. Oh, well, lucky for you. Um, it's it's so a good thing you got to check this off your bucket list before, <laughs> before you were done. <laughs> He's not sure. No, I know. There's lots of people who could, could pass on that. Yeah. Um, so did you eventually live up here full time? or? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but that's a whole other story. I wouldn't want to get into that whole thing. Oh, but, uh, okay. In 1961, I met my wife in college and got married, and we came back. Oh, okay. Uh, we went to school in California. Right. And uh, my family stayed up here. We had the bee business, so we came back. And then she did not like Canada. She was born on a ranch in California. Uh-huh. And consequently, she didn't want to live in Canada. And so we went back to the States and went to school again, back to the university. Okay. And uh, then I worked for General Motors for a while. And in 1965, I said, we're going back to Canada. Oh, okay. And, and by then there was children? Nope. No? No. With that, uh, all, our two oldest boys were born in Peace River. Okay. And Tim was born in Abbotsford. But uh, the problem with having children... See, up here at that time, you could always tell when it was a cold winter. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> a whole crop of kids that were born later. <laughs> Any, anywhere from July on, kids started popping up. <laughs> it's like the little town where the, where the train comes through at 5 in the morning. Yeah. You can't go back to sleep, but it's too early to get up. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, you were a hunter at 10. Pardon? You were a hunter at 10? At 12. 10 years old? Yes, yeah, so I was actually hunting at 10. We, we hunted in California, too, because I was raised in the country. Right. Every kid had a 22 when you were old enough to handle one. Oh, yeah. We, I was raised that way. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And we hunted and fished. We had a stream about the size of this uh, shop running right beside our house from the time I was eight years old. I was fishing all day long when I wasn't in school or something else. Right. And sometimes when you were supposed to be in school, you were fishing. <laughs> Before school, I was fishing. After school, I was fishing. There was, there was a surprising thing when you think of that time. Because that stream had salmon. There were springs or Chinook. You could almost walk across the stream on their back. There were so many of them. Wow. Wow, yeah. And so because they were so thick, we put a 
big hook on and a weight below it, and we started snagging salmon. And that was good. We could catch a lot of salmon that way. <laughs> and kids are sportsmen at that point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we weren't too much of environmentalists. No. <laughs> that came later. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's the best part about growing up is learning along the way, right? I thought maybe that you took up hunting later in life when you started had to feed Tim and his brothers, you know? It's like self-defense, right? <laughs> no. I, uh, we used to hunt. We lived in a, where we lived is in the Sacramento Valley in the foothills. And all of us, all the boys, because we were all farmers, you didn't go to town. I mean, town was quite a ways away. And it wasn't like here where you go to town every day. I mean, if you went to town, that was a, a, that was a major trip. Yeah. Yeah. So we lived in the foothills and hunted all the time. I mean, it was just what a beautiful a thing life. to do. It was. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry for the kids today that they don't have that type of opportunity. Yeah. I don't, you know, and I, I don't know. All I know anything about California is what you read on the Internet, right? I was going to say newspapers, but that would have dated me, right? <laughs> <laughs> so it's what, what, what I read on in, in the Internet, and it seems like a foreign world, man. It is. But it is now. It wasn't then. No. Yeah. Then. You see, we live in generational compartments. Ooh, I like this term. With, in my generation, I'm 82 years old. In my generation down there, it was different because we all worked. Every kid worked. We, I got paid when I was 14 years old the same amount of money as you would get as an adult working in the orchards, irrigating. Knocking almonds, picking fruit, all these. All of us worked, every kid. Yeah. And when we weren't working, we were playing. We had no TV. Yeah. Right. Matter of fact, we didn't even have a telephone. And in California, we still had an outdoor toilet when I was 10. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so today, young people don't understand what we lived at that time, and it was the greatest life. It was. It was. I... I look at things today, and, and you know, the, some of the stuff that they they want to teach kids in 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 elementary school and that kind of stuff, and I think that's horrific. Those, those children don't need to learn that at this point. When I when I was that age, we, we there was nothing more important than whether or not the, the the back tire on your bike was flat, and and you know, or where you were going fishing, or you know, you were just busy, busy, busy. Oh and yeah. The, and if you were in town, you know, I mean, if, when we were out in the out in the bush camping and that, or or vacationing in the bush it was a different story but if you're in town when the street lights came on you had only five minutes to be home that was that was <laughs> it but nobody worried you know your parents weren't out chasing around wondering where you were you didn't have to have a phone on you to be checking in all the time it was such a different life today people have been charged for having their kids walk to school on their own mm -hmm. you know that's child abandonment and we all walked to school <laughs> oh yeah i mean we well i didn't i didn't walk to school i actually ran to school uh, every day I'd run, and all of us did. Every kid was an athlete, you know. Obesity, there was a few, but yeah. very few yeah. fat kids. Yeah. Most of them were thin and athletic. I think, I think part of that, though, is too, is, is, you know, we talk about it. When we were kids, we got pop once a year. That was at Christmas time. You'd, you, you'd get, a, you'd get a, a, a glass of pop. That was it. It was a very, very special well, treat. Our parents would buy mix yeah <laughs> so and we'd you say, had your choice Dad, of ginger ale or coke you know what Dad, I mean? <laughs> can we please have a little bit of and and we'd get you know it wasn't even a glass it was kind of like this right yeah. and yeah it would just i mean 
Yeah, it's different. Today, well, today the, it's, it's whatever you want, whenever you want, right? Well, yeah, but the difference was now you can buy everything. Yeah. At that time in the 40s, we had what they called, uh, what was it? You had to have rationing stamps. Right. You couldn't buy sugar. So, and because you couldn't buy sugar, you didn't have all this sugar going into you yeah, all the time. exactly. There's a lot of things you couldn't buy because of the wars and, right. Right. and stuff. Now, Everything's I mean, available. sugar is, is, like my father used to say, he says, the Chinese had opium, we got sugar. Yeah. He's right. Yeah. And, He's right. Uh, it's very addictive. Oh, yeah. It's extremely yeah. addictive. And, uh, but we don't think of that. No. So The average person eats about 120 pounds of sugar a year, Neil. Tell me I'm a liar. Oh, no, but I've read that statistic elsewhere as well, and it, yeah. it's really horrific how much we consume of that sort of thing. Yeah, we don't think of it. In no. every, almost every food we get out of canned food, it's got sugar in it, so it tastes better. Yeah. Yep. All our drinks have yep. sugar in it because yep. it tastes yep. better. Absolutely. What, I got, I got to ask, what was hunting like back then in California? Was it good hunting? It was excellent you, hunting. What did you hunt for? Deer. Deer, that was it. Mainly deer. Well, we had a lot of coyotes. Yeah. But we hunted coyotes different than they do now. Not, not at that time, about a little bit later. We hunted coyotes with airplanes. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there must have been a lot of coyotes. Well, there was a lot of coyotes. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, that, that's, uh, that has quite a history of uh, gunning them from airplanes. Now they do it from helicopters. Yeah, huh? that, that, that's well, quite Well, we good. didn't use helicopter. We use a Taylor craft. Yeah. And most people don't know what that is. But it'll fly 25 miles an hour backwards if you've got a strong wind. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Did you feel your leg get pulled on that one? <laughs> <laughs> I felt it getting pulled. Yeah. <laughs> so you got up here in 1965 that you came back for, or came, yep. came back. You moved, moved here for good. Yep. Okay. And you were still doing bees then? We still had the bee business in Peace River, in Nampa. And in 1951, or 1970, the co-ops, Alberta bee pickers, co-ops in Edmonton offered us one cent a pound for our honey. And I sat around a table like my folks like this, and I says, I'm a better salesman than that. We're not going to sell it. Mm-hmm. I went to, uh, to Langley, B.C., Started packing honey in the basement with my mother, peddled it during the daytime, packed it at night, went back and peddled it in the daytime. Wow. And I built Northern Gold Foods, Northern Gold Crunchy Granola, Back to Nature, Eat Right Natural Foods, all at that time. Oh, wow. Wow. And uh, we went from $250 basically the first month to 19, 000, or 19 million a year. Sold to Kellogg's in 78. Wow. Holy. That's, that's <laughs> that is a story I did not know. Wow. That's that's awesome. That the banker side of you yeah. that appeals to you. Yeah. yeah. Of course it does. I I think it's fascinating how people build businesses and you know where where the ideas come from and how you execute on it and you know what the business plan looked like in your head and yeah, I love that stuff. Well, most businesses are timing more than anything. Yeah. Like us. We, uh, yeah. I could never do what I did then, today. It's a different, a different world. Yeah. That was like the one um, 
newspaper magnet was talking about uh, Thompson, I believe it was, was talking about people had no work ethic and all that, and, and uh, he'd bought his first newspaper, right time, right place, for nineteen dollars mm-hmm. or thirty-five dollars. I forget, nineteen dollars. I think it was. Anyway, uh, so a guy challenged him to it, and you know, went off with his nineteen dollars to try and do something. Well, not not the right time or place, right? You know, it's just it's just it's that situation. Sometimes you're truly blessed, and you just got to accept it. You know. Other times, you know, hard work pays pays dividends. You know. Well. I think it takes hard work. I think it takes a lot of luck. It takes experience. It takes everything. Yep. It doesn't all come at once for different people because you can give certain people the opportunity and they're just not cut that way. Yeah. You know, you know what I think is fascinating is people looking from the outside, <coughs> they look at you and they see this 250 and they say 19 million and it's just like that. Yeah. But you in, on the inside looking there, it's like this. I believe you and me, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) Right? There is so much up and down, up and down. There's so much jitter in the graph, right? (laughs) I can tell you something about the honey business at that time because we were producing our own honey. And what happened in 1971 when the Co-ops offered us one cent a pound and I went down there. We, uh, I was selling honey and I went with Mitsui and Mitsubishi and Mitsutomo and I tried to sell them honey. Now, these were all Japanese trading companies they were buying Canadian honey. And in the spring, I called my brother when the, in 72 when the honey should have been coming off. And uh, Mitsui wanted 40,000 pounds. I sold him 40,000 pounds. And I called my brother and said, Bob, we got some honey. He says, no, we don't have honey. <laughs> <laughs> we're not extracting yet. I says, can you get me 40,000 pounds? He called Dave Taggart here in... Uh, I don't know exactly where Dave, but he's right here around High Prairie, or Grand yeah. Prairie. Yeah. I know the name. And Dave uh, had 40,000 pounds. He had started extracting earlier than we did. You offered him two cents? <laughs> no. Uh, Bob tried to buy it from him, and even though the Quops was offering one cent initial, he wanted 10 cents. And so Bob called me, and I says, well, Dave's got it for 10 cents. I says, okay, we'll take it. So I sold it to Mitsui for 13 cents. <laughs> and uh, so they took the 40,000 pounds and it had to be inspected it had to be Canada number one white and everything so any honey that was dark I had to keep on the side myself but we kept selling to them and so the next thing probably a, a, two weeks they wanted 80,000 pounds in two weeks yeah two weeks later wow. they wanted 80,000 pounds so now I call my brother again and he didn't have it I don't remember who gave it to us that time. I think Dave may have gave us some and, and somebody else, but I got the 80,000 pounds, and I sold it to him at 15 cents. Paid 10 cents for it. <laughs> so then I started dealing with the other ones, and pretty soon I was selling 120, 140,000 pounds a month. They were all 40,000-pound containers. Right. And I was selling wow. honey like crazy. Wow. And, wow. Uh, but there's a problem when you talk about up and down. Because what happened, because I was selling so honey so fast, I was buying honey and putting it in. My warehouse or my parking lot in Langley was loaded with 45-gallon drums of honey all the way back. I was loaded. All my money's sitting <laughs> in the parking lot. Yeah. I got no money. Right. So... I had hired uh, Dean Ballum, who used to be with, uh, um, I forget which uh, company, it was a chocolate candy company. 
and uh, as a sales manager then, and so I looked at him and I said, Dean, we're gonna sell this honey. And I went down to Silverbow Honey at uh, Snohomish, Washington. And I walked in and I did know Howard Graff. I'd become the president of the Alberta Beekeepers Association in between. And I'd met Howard and I sat down with Howard and I said, Howard, I got a half million pounds of honey to sell. He said, barrels included? And I said, yeah. He says, how much you went for it? I said, 25 cents. Now I knew I'd overprice this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I was waiting for him to come back. He got out his calculator and he sits there and starts doing some calculations. So I gave it 23 and a half, sold. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And so that's what, uh, that's really how we, we got started in the honey business or the packing business. and granola business too wow that's so cool. about this time then nope. Tim come along he come al yeah he come along in 71 yeah okay but he was he was he was uh, thought of and started in Nampa oh <laughs> <laughs> you got some roots back here, All boy. Right. That's why I came back to Alberta. <laughs> <laughs> he came home. Yeah. So then moving on to you and your career then, you grew up in Langley uh, well, area? We're, until I was, we were, I was about nine. And okay. in 1980, we moved to Oklahoma. Yep, for a while. Oh, wow. Yeah. And what was in Oklahoma? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the oil business dad uh, went down there had a few rigs and when i sold out to kellogg's yeah i had drilled an oil well in oklahoma that came in real big and i figured okay it's paying for itself every 60 to 90 days and it was a fairly deep well and i figured gee whiz we'll keep doing this so took the kids down there bought three oil drilling rigs and lost our shirt <laughs> <laughs> so what when is this what, what was what it? year 1981 81 yeah. what did it cost to drill a well then actually the uh a wilcox well in Pottawatomie county of oklahoma that well cost me i think it was two hundred and ten thousand. <laughs> you want to take a guess at what a well costs today I'm not about to guess. <laughs> you know? No. $21 million. My wife told me if I ever drilled another oil well, <laughs> she'd leave me. <laughs> no, we, we have, a, we, of course, this is Grand Prairie in the middle of oil oil country in the in the world. And uh, we have a lot of friends in it. And I said, it's just average. You know, we're flying. We were flying in, in somebody's private plane. And I said, you know, what would that well down there cost? He says, by the time they connected to a pipeline, $21 million. Crazy. It's <laughs> a lot of money. A lot of risk out there, hey? Yep. Well, our yeah. dry hole costs on a 3,000, 4,000 foot well run between 90 and 110,000. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that was yeah. back in 1981? 81 to 84. Yeah. 81 to 84. So then you lived in Oklahoma from 81 to 84? Yep. Okay. So that, then you were nine when you left? Correct. Or nine when you went there? Uh, nine when we went there. 1980. Yeah. yeah. 
about nine. Okay. Yeah. After Mount St. Helens blew up. Oh, yeah. Oh. I forgot yeah, yeah, about yeah. that. Yep. Was it traumatic? Or? <laughs> well, actually, when it blew up, my mom thought the uh, water furnace was going off in the house and chases all the house in our underwear. <laughs> 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 we could actually hear the explosion in Langley, B.C. from Mount St. Helens. I can imagine. It's well, not that far, really, as the crow flies, right? No. So, no. Yeah. But, and and, and something that enormous. Well, uh, like half a mountain disappeared. Yeah, exactly. It was ejected out across the planet. Yeah, exactly. Amazing. So then from Oklahoma, then where? Blaine, Washington. And what was in Blaine, Washington? The closest you get back to the Canadian border without having to cross the border and learn metrics all over again. Oh, see, <laughs> yeah. And French. <laughs> None of the kids had French. Uh, That's okay. I don't either. <laughs> so eventually, then, you rubbed up against coffee somewhere? Like, where did this coffee thing start? <laughs> where did coffee start? <laughs> well, you're drinking it. So that's how it started originally. <laughs> um, actually, it just started in the garage of my, uh, of my house. Really, and just yep. because you were you wanted to dabble, or you were interested in it, or what was the? I was actually I've been interested in coffee for a lot of time. A lot of years, lived in Seattle for numbers of years yeah. as well. And um, the birthplace of Starbucks. We don't speak right. that word. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We're we're the anti yuppie coffee. Oh, <laughs> well, you are. Yeah. But just interesting that it was. Did in you Seattle. notice the guy on the logo is having a smoke? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's frowned upon. <laughs> Um, Betting it's not players either. Mm. <laughs> no, I was actually out at some trade shows repping a uh, a competitor's brand. Okay. And somebody one day walked up to me and, said, and I was at a hemp show. They says, is this hemp infused? And I went, no, but it could be. Uh, <laughs> you've planted a seed. Yep. So then yeah. we were we were trying to figure out how to in hemp, uh, infuse hemp with co with uh our coffee, and yeah. uh, we came up with a smoke roasting process. So explain this to me, so just so I got this straight. What's infusing? We're actually infusing the, the wood smoke in with the coffee through the roasting process. Okay, and so in this case, the wood would be hemp? Yep. Okay, and that adds a flavor? Yep, just oh. like you're, you're sipping whiskey, your maple stout, each wood, like you're almost like you're smoking meat. You know, you get that yep. smoke in, absorbed into the you meat. Can, yeah, you can tell the difference of whether it's mesquite or hickory or whatever, yes. Yep. Okay. So we, uh, we figured out, a, we, we worked on it, we, and we finally came up with a way where we can actually smoke roast. Because you think about, before we had electricity and gas, how would you roast your coffee? Over a fire, yeah. With wood, right? Exactly, yeah. yeah. Well, we're just bringing what was old and making it new again. Exactly. Okay. Innovative. Uh, Very. I know that there is basically one, there's, I think, I think you, you, you explained this to me, that there are two kinds of coffee that are popular in the world. And Arabica is one of them. And what is the other bean? Oh, there's the Arabica bean and the, um, why am I having a brain fart? Um. Arabica's. Arabica and uh, I can't even think of the other one. But the most popular is yeah, Arabica. Is the Arabica. And it's grown all over the world. Yep. So whether it's Kenya or Papua New Guinea or, or Colombia or whatever, it's still Arabica, uh, the Arabica bean, right? Yep. Okay. 
And of course, whatever it grows in makes a big difference in the flavor. In the yeah, the the elevation, the humidity, the, the soil, the soil, everything around that bean. Because as a as a cherry, it's almost like a cherry is, is rotting around the seed, which is the, your coffee bean. Yeah. It absolutely absorbs those those odors and flavors and stuff into the bean. We were uh, Guatemala in Guatemala, and we're. Where we were, the, our, the actual resort that we were fishing out of, you could look up and there was mountains all around us. We didn't know it at the time until we started asking questions, but there were 26 active volcanoes that we could see. And it, during the day, all you'd see was this mountain and it looked like this little cloud that, that hung on the top of it. Well, that was actually smoke. We didn't know it, right? But at night, then all of a sudden, it's like, I said, there is a, that mountain's on fire. Look at that. You know, it's, it's glowing up there. And then every now and then, some, some uh, of the volcanoes, a fissure uh, would open. Yeah, and, and, and you'd, you'd have you'd see a trickle come, come down, down the mountain. They would take you up on donkeys. You know, I mean, it's Guatemala, right? So if you wanted to go, you want to go see the hot rock senor. You know, they take us up on, the, on a donkey to go look look at this volcano that's constantly going on. But once you got what was it, four thousand feet? I don't remember. Why doesn't that stick? I think it was at four thousand feet and above was where the was coffee growing. You know. That was what, that was the, the altitude. I don't didn't understand what the altitude had to do with it. It gives you a different consistency of your coffee. I mean, I I'm not an expert on it. I just know that I I get beans from or our in-house beans all come from Columbia. And they're all grown about 1,200 feet. Okay. Okay. And your elevation, your 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 climate, everything in that whole area makes a difference in your coffee beans. Because the same coffee you're going to get from from uh, let's say from Kenya is totally different than the coffee you get from Colombia or Peru or Costa Rica or yeah. Cuba. As far as the flavor in it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's because of the soil and nutrients and all that kind of stuff. Whatever's around. It could it. even change flavor on the way on a ship on the way over. Oh. Well, it's amazing. Like uh, we were, we, we spent some time with some friends uh, in Penticton uh, during the summer, and the Okanagan Valley now has like nine thousand. Wineries. Well, it was, it's 125 wow. or something, but it, it seems like you, you can't turn around without stumbling over another vineyard. But they were complaining because there was so much smoke there this year that it was going to affect the taste of the, of the wine. And I was like, really? I mean, I'm not a big wine drinker now, but I guess a couple of years ago when it, when it was bad, it really affected the taste of the wine as well because of all that smoke. So I, it's, it's amazing how, how little of, a, uh, of uh, influence it takes to change something like that. So you have how, you've got, I forget, eight? 16 different types of beans here? Seven. Seven. <laughs> well, why am I looking at 16 <laughs> over there? <laughs> well, you're, you're looking at 14. Oh, okay. That's not seven. <laughs> um, the, the, re the reason being is is that they're both, it's, they're the same ones stacked on top of each other. Oh, okay, okay. Because yeah. we, like, we go through so much Peru, it's so hard to change out, you know, halfway the day, just go and bring in a new batch of Peru in. So we just, once one bin's open, finish we just move it down okay oh, okay and th that's neat thing those are raw beans correct and you 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 take and roast them right here on the uh, on the well a customer standing waiting mm -hmm. you roast them I, I was fascinated by the roasting process and, and you said you know a lot of people I like I believe you said that you started yourself roasting it in, in a like a hot air popcorn maker yep I did and I, I and I made the mistake of trying to roast coffee in my oven oh <laughs> Oh, what happens when you do that? Your house smells. <laughs> <laughs> It'll start smoking, and oh, uh, that smoke good. fills the house, and I got in trouble from uh, 
a few people. <laughs> <laughs> I got in trouble. <laughs> I think my dad remembers that one. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine. So, what? I think like a hot air popcorn maker uh, just doesn't get hot enough. Right, and it's not consistent enough. Okay. You need so to keep that consistency. So it's the temperature. What what is the temperature that you roast at? Uh, depends on what type of roast I'm doing. If I'm doing a light roast, it's going to crack at a, a lower rate, uh, about 350 degrees. I'm doing a real dark roast. I'm going close to 600. Okay. Explain crack. As the bean expands, it will pop because the beans it's, it's Like popcorn. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, like popcorn. Um, but it, it actually expands. And so the first crack is your where you get ready to the light roast. And you'll hear, a, a, I call it a, a dud crack, so it's like a pop. Yeah. When you finally get to your second crack, which you're getting to your medium and, and dark roast on up, it'll actually make a, like a high pitch crack. Okay. So you actually hear the difference in oh, the cracks okay. as your coffee is roasting it. Yeah. Because yeah. we use an, uh, an, an airbed roaster. So you can actually hear it as you're and and watch it as you're you're roasting. Yeah, I, I, it was fascinating, and you, you said you start with a pound of of uh, beans, and by the time you roast them, you end up with about twelve ounces. Right, you lose about twenty five percent because you're losing the water weight. Right, right. I w I was just astounded. Like I mean, so it's all based on the the at the time and temperature they crack. So like the first crack, it it takes you know. I forget what you said. Eight minutes to get to the first crack to, for a light roast. Yeah, it depends on how fast I roast it as well. Oh, okay. So I mean, because I if I can I can gradually turn the heat up or I can just hit heat right off the bat. Okay. And I like to ramp it up slowly. So it'll take about eight eight minutes to fifteen minutes towards the first crack. What's the advantage of ramping it up slowly? It just your different flavor comes out of the bean. Does it have a is there a difference in how you infuse then too because of the time? That, 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 that's a, uh, the a smoke process. roasting process is a total different process. Oh, okay. We're just talking about what they're doing here. Oh, in, all right. in they, What they do in store. So once you get to the first crack, then you uh, you get it to the second crack, then it, it's by time after that whether how dark of roast it is. Correct. Okay. So like sipping whiskey is, is one of your most popular dark roasts. It and, is. And it's how how many minutes past, uh, past the first crack? That's a trade secret. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like how many rhinos are on the property? Nobody's going to talk about it. <laughs> We're in South Africa, and there's rhinos <coughs> running around. And I, I ask, you know, how many rhinos are here? Well, I was in trouble because they, 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 don't, they don't say. <laughs> they don't say at all. Okay. So it, it, it's all uh, on the amount of time until you get down to your, your ultra-dark roasts and that, and uh, they're, they're getting, you're actually getting closer and closer to actually burning, right? Correct. Okay. So now that's what you do here. When you do your infusing, which you, you work with, like, applewood and cherry wood and... Hickory. Hickory. Hickory, maple, whiskey oak. We're doing another one with alder and maple. Well, another one with alder. Um, we're always experimenting, trying to find which wood makes a better. How fun! Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a constant, constant experiment because yeah. you, you could do a lot of sampling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love coffee. That's the one. That's that's my deal all over the world. I, I, I don't drink. I coffee is, is is the only thing that I drink, and I have drank coffee everywhere. Some places disappoint the heck out of you, like 
the Blue Mountain stuff in in uh, uh, Jamaica. Disappointing, really disappointing. Well, you know, it, again, it all comes down to how you roast that bean. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the way that someone else might roast it is going to be totally different than I roast it. Yeah. And you're going to get two different flavor profiles just by the different roasting processes. Well, all I've ever had is actual the Blue Mountain that that, that they bu you buy in Jamaica, and that's all controlled by the government. Because they're all, they all have the same identical packaging and all that. It comes out of it's a government-controlled facility, so it's all done the same, right? It's not obviously all done right, <laughs> you know. Like well, no, but <laughs> also different different elevations and stuff will actually produce different coffees, different yeah. flavors of coffee. So you may have got a batch that was from a different place than from you would have got the next time. Yeah. Right. True. Could have been. Yeah. So then here you have another facility that's not in Grand Prairie that you do all of that. Yeah, we just right? we actually just. Our mail order is going so well and stuff right now. We're actually built a new roasting facility in Rycroft. Ah. We bought a 10,000 square foot warehouse there. Yep. And uh, I would have bought it in Grand Prairie, but the property taxes and the pro the real estate market is just so expensive. For yeah. what? T for two million dollars here, I can get for an hour from town sixty thousand, one hundred sixty thousand. Yeah. yeah. It yeah. doesn't make any sense. No. And my Economically, it doesn't. And the difference in, in property taxes is more than my gas that I'll save. Yeah, yeah. I know. I mean, but that's yeah. the problem with socialistic governments in, in municipality. That's a whole different story. And, and she's, we kick, could she's go kicking on me under the table not to, not to go into <laughs> it. <so. laughs> that's a rabbit hole we don't need to tra traverse. <laughs> so, how many, when you roast these, like, th does it take a different amount of time when you're smoking? It must. Oh, yeah. Because you want to smoke. Yeah, it's it's a slower process. Okay. So, um, and even our temperatures are, are we we do our temperature changes differently as well. So it's slight, it slight increases uh, over time versus you know a lot longer process. So that's because well, that's absorbed by the bean. Right. And it's amazing because I'm doing a series right now on on smoke tanning moose hides, mm -hmm. and that just when they get down to the smoking part is an art form. Like you know. The, how careful they are and what all they have to do so that it's all uniformly colored and that color comes from the smoking. So you must, there must be a lot of like stirring or, or, or raking the beans around. I don't know, wait, rake? I don't know. <laughs> what do you use? <laughs> we turn, we turn our beans. Um, is it manual or do you have a pro, like an automatic It is all for? done by, by person. Oh, okay. Ooh. So each, each, we micro roast. We don't do large batches where, um, you put in a big vault and do it. It, yeah. it, you don't get the consistency. Right. We've right. tried it a lot of different ways, and we find that micro roasting is actually the best way to do it. Okay. Uh, so a micro roast, like to some people, that that's a handful of beans. To others, it's it, like it's like a, a a a five to ten pound batch of coffee at a time. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. That is very small. That's a lot of quality control. Yeah. And it is very specific in how we do it. And how many people do you employ out at your warehouse to do all that with you? One. Oh, oh, <laughs> you're looking at them. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's very interesting. So yeah. Yeah, it, there is a lot of quality control on that. And you're growing your business, which is really fascinating. Oh, so yeah. With, with the mailer nice. going on, and we're looking to open a few more um, cafes. Mm -hmm. And we actually have about uh, 30 people who want franchises. Really? Yeah. That's exciting. So that is exciting. So all in, all in Canada or all in Canada. Uh, we had 
I have another brother who was talking to a gentleman down in the States who has 250 coffee shops. Yeah. And he's he wants to turn them all into old smokes. Wow. 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 That That's is so... Then what do you do? Because <laughs> then you're going to have to have facilities in I incorporated it in the U.S. already. <laughs> <laughs> I had no doubt that you had the business sense uh, about how, you know, how you were going to accomplish or organize. But so then h- how, if there's 250 coffee shops, how many facilities like what you've got at Rycroft um, do you need to supply beans and do that? Just one real big one. <laughs> one real big one. In Oklahoma. No, Wyoming. Oh, okay. Wyoming actually has the best corporate structure. Yes, they do. God, we used God to be incorporated. Wyoming. I love Wyoming. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they didn't used to be any uh, income tax in Wyoming. I don't there know is no state tax. Yeah. No, yeah. there is no state tax. They're extremely wealthy based on coal. Yeah. Yeah. For now. Yeah. God bless Wyoming. Yeah, I, I, I love Wyoming. It's a beautiful That's state. That's where I went to school at, University of Wyoming. Oh. oh, did you? Yep. That's we awesome. We like it there. It's very yeah. nice. Yeah, yeah. We've, done, we've went there and we've, we've hunted turkey there. We've hunted uh, antelope, antelope there. Yeah. Yeah. It's a nice we've, place. You must have been then to Devil's Tower. Nope. What? <laughs> <laughs> You've been in Wyoming and you've never been to the Devil's Tower? No, I, I went to... Uh, Damn, you can see it off the interstate even. <laughs> well, no, I went to Vita Voo to do a lot of rock climbing. Uh, it was between Laramie and Cheyenne. And uh, I would drive from Blaine, Washington to Laramie and all in 21 hours straight. Wow. We actually hunted turkeys in the shadow of, uh, yeah. of uh, the Devil's Tower. Fascinating. It's like 330 feet tall. And like in 1880, they built ladders to climb to the top of it, 1880. And how they did it was they pounded these wood, you know, like uh, pine pine logs into the fissures, into the cracks of, the, uh, of it, and then, you know, built built up on the outside, and they climbed that. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> WCB now would have a heart attack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's still some of it there. Some of those, yeah. some of those uh, uh, ladders are still there, and I look at it, I go, it's just amazing, yeah. It, it's fascinating we how it was formed. We were there yeah. well, quite a few years ago now. We, we enjoyed the heck out of it. So <laughs> coffee is a major commodity in the world. It's the world's second largest commodity. Second largest Second commodity. to oil. oil and gas. Yeah. Look at that. Alberta's got it all now. They hate us even more. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't grow coffee here. Yeah. We, but we, we got old smokes here. We got old smokes here. <laughs> That's a nice story that that something like old smoke started here. Yeah, that's, that's cool, and it's going to be big. Yeah, before I mean, we, all we were known for was two fourteen place, <laughs> Grand Prairie. <laughs> yeah, we were known for a few other things. Other that, but yeah, it's all good. <laughs> so plans are moving forward. Things are are, are going well. Then you're yes. you're happy with developments. It's sometimes a little overwhelming. It's got to be like I mean. We haven't known one another very long. I mean, we, we bonded pretty good in a deer stand earlier this year, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sure that I'm sure that our laughter kept the deer even away from your dad, and he was a mile away. So, <laughs> oh, we even bonded over hunting gingerbread. I mean, oh, uh, candy yeah, canes. that's right. <laughs> yeah, the candy canes yeah. and gingerbread men. <laughs> and, and then, I mean, you're 
you you're telling me some of your your dreams and uh, or your plans and and uh I, I told Sandy I says I, he's got a lot of he's got a lot on his plate man and it's fascinating how much has come about so fast you've got this facility you have another one you're building right now in Grand Prairie yeah we uh we uh, there's a place right we uh, have signed a lease on it uh it's coming right where the old Smitty's building was uh, they tore it down they're building a new one um we're looking at putting our one there um, we also bought property in Hythe and Spirit River to build uh, old smokes on. Um, and there might be a, a, a third or a fourth here in Grand Prairie as well. And we also have one going in Opasic, Ontario. Really? Yep. Oh. That's cool. And so why Opasic, where, where's Opasic? Ontario? <laughs> Opasic. If you can find it. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I, I don't recall hearing that name before. So where? It's in between Hearst and Kappa Casing. Okay, so I still don't know where it is. <laughs> uh, way up north. <laughs> okay. I was going to say, Captain Casey is a long ways north. <laughs> you were quick on that. Oh, still don't know. <laughs> uh, it's on the truck route. It usually gets r really busy during the winter months because yeah. the truckers go around the lake, not by the lake, uh -huh. because all the ice build up. Yeah. And uh, okay. I have a cousin back there. Okay. How exciting for you. You yeah. must be just pumped. I mean, it's funny. It's funny that that the uh, the number one commodity in the world runs on the number two commodity in the yeah. world. Because I mean, the oil patch runs <laughs> on coffee. <laughs> well, there's lots of various franchises around here, but it's exciting to be um, ground floor. This is this is cool. Your flavors. What's the number one flavor? Sip and whiskey. Sip and whiskey. For now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we just came out with our our stout maple yes. in December. That's yeah. what I just had here. This so is awesome. Richard is a big connoisseur of dark roasted coffees, and so Tim blended up stout maple, stout maple or maple stout. Stout maple. Stout maple. It's and it is an oh, it's an exceptional coffee. We really enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's it's actually the reason I I, I was going to call it maple stout. Uh huh. Um, but our packaging goes was spelled wrong so i had to stick with stout maple oh okay so trade secrets there you go <laughs> and uh it's actually part of the reason i named it that way because it is such a dark coffee because it, it with the the smoke process yes. it made it even darker it looks like a really stout a really dark coffee kind of like a really stout beer yeah so we just stout maple stout, stout maple yeah well it makes a lot of sense and it's a very we 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 savor it. Yeah. Yeah. So the, we don't so drink it every day. It's just like, ooh, it's 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 that kind of a day. Do you want a stout maple? Oh yeah. <laughs> well, what I found most people don't. I have my one of my other business partners, another business I'm in. Um, we were down in Seattle. Mm -hmm. We were buying cameras for the uh, for the company, and um, we went around asking these different coffee shops. So do you got any smoked coffee? And they're going, what? Why what what is that? that? Why, what why, is that? why did you do that? Yeah. Why? Yeah. No, no. Why? They, they're probably oh, asking, yeah. like, why would you ask that? Well, yeah, because we, we were trying to find. Of course. You know, smoked coffee and nobody had it. Yeah. And uh, we'd actually walk into a, a restaurant saying, do you guys have uh, smoked coffee? What's that? Oh, I heard of this great place called Old Smokes Coffee. You got to try it sometime. <laughs> 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 so Marketing. Yeah. yeah. That's called shoe leather marketing. Yeah. yeah. 
Sipping whiskey is made then it's smoke infused and that's with the whiskey oak. Whiskey oak. Now why is it called whiskey oak? Because that's the type of oak it is. It's a whiskey. It's called a whiskey oak. Okay, so but that's they make not whiskey, whiskey barrels out of it. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. 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 Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, all right. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Boy, I'm learning a lot about coffee tonight. <laughs> Stuff I didn't know. Oh, it's, it's very interesting. And 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 your second most popular flavor? Smoking cherry. Smoking cherry. And it's a medium roast. And uh -huh. it's it's smoked with cherry, cherry wood. wood. Yeah. Yeah. I know we get a lot of uh, requests. You know, like. What, what do you what's recommend? A good what yeah. do you recommend? And I ask if they're a light or, or medium or dark roast. I don't ask light because I mean, if they want to drink hot water, that's up to them. But <laughs> 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 but I ask if they're a medium or dark roast, and and I, I tell them the number one medium is the is the smoking cherry, and, and the dark roast. It's well, it's your light roasts have more caffeine than your dark roasts. Yes. Yeah. So the reason we call blazing apple our light roast blazing apple is because you get blazing from the caffeine. Ah, okay. <laughs> I think if you need uh, if you need a light roast to get enough caffeine, you ain't doing it right. You just need to drink more. <laughs> more stout maple. Exactly. <laughs> well, tell us then uh, if folks are interested, where can they find you? Where you have a, you have a website? I we do. It's uh, oldsmokescoffee.com. O L E, not O L D. Okay. So old smokes and coffee. So oldsmokescoffee.com, and you can actually go on there and you can you can watch our commercials. Um, oh, which and are we do very have entertaining. a pile of fun with yeah, commercials. They're very entertaining. We do have a pile. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, I'm getting ready to do my spring one. Oh, good. Good. I think we were doing one, one with Sandy, too, aren't we? We were talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> More to come on that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, gentlemen, it has been a pleasure. I'd like to thank you very much for taking the time to... Uh, Sandy? Sit here in uh, the fine coffee shop. Hi. Whoops. <laughs> 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 and uh, tell us about coffee. That's amazing. That's a, I, the funny things you you the, the things you get to learn about in, in the outdoor world. Yeah, huh? exactly. And uh, on your website too, you you do um, custom packaging and things like yeah, that. Yeah, we too, can right? actually if you like. We're doing one now. Uh, we can do two ounce packages. Yep. And we can actually put your picture on the front of it or if you have a special event or something like that, like for a wedding gift or right. for a wedding announcement, you send them a bag of coffee because a lot of half the population drinks coffee. So yes. you're going to get at least 50 percent of them to enjoy it. <laughs> I think I think it's very innovative and very creative on your part. And I'm really excited to see where this goes yeah. for you. That's right. You told me that you actually custom roast and package for people that want their own coffee to sell. Yeah, we yeah. we we did yeah. one for uh, we do one right now. We're doing one for uh, um, Golden Guns and Tackle out of Beaver Lodge. Yes. Yeah. Um, we do the Grassroots Foundation because yeah. we we believe in giving back to our local communities. Yes. That's one of the things that you know our community supports us, so we want to support our communities. And that's and very. And important. you did some really nice things at Christmas time too, so thank yeah. you for that. Yeah. 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 And. Uh, so we grassroots, and then um, being a veteran myself, and my dad's also a veteran, uh, we also have a, a blend called uh, Wounded Warriors uh, for Wounded Warriors Canada. And we are up front, $3, every bag of that goes to the, our Wounded Warriors. Oh, awesome. that, and that's something I didn't know. So yeah. congratulations on that. Thank that's you. A, Thank you. That is a big deal.
There you have it. Oldsmokescoffee.com. See, I'm, my, my cup's empty. That's the problem. That is the problem. <laughs> Thanks for being here on this cold, frosty night. We're glad you could join us. Thank you. Thank you.